of the Lord to preach from the book of Romans again. Continue the book of Romans so that you'll get a taste of what the adult class is being taught on Sunday morning. You need this and I need this. Change our life. So if you would please stand with me. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be or called an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. The verses we cover this morning, verse 15 so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. The righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, or by faith shall the just live, or the justified live, or the righteous live. And we talked about it this morning, how that we are declared righteous based on the finished work of Christ. And that is such an awesome, freeing truth. It would change your life. Amen. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Notice what it says. We've got the righteousness of God revealed. And then we have the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness amen. amen let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you tonight for your spirit for your word this is your word we thank you for the book of Romans and everybody said in Jesus name amen and you may be seated <clears throat> this morning we talked about how that there are two worlds there are two ages there is the world that's in the first Adam and there is the world that is in the last Adam. <clears throat> when we talk about world, we're talking about a system. The world that's in Adam is a passing, fading system. It's a world that is in darkness. It's a world that is outside of Christ. It is called the old man. It's called the first Adam. And everybody that's in him are lost in that first Adam. Everybody that's in that old system or that old man that senile weak sick man that Jesus killed at the cross but still hanging around then we talked about the world that's in Jesus Christ that he came and he brought in a new age an age of life in the spirit in the old world the old age the old Adam you have death you have condemnation. All right, all right. You have darkness, deception. You also have in that the wrath of God. Right, so that when God justified you, 
or put you in a right relationship with him, then he delivered you from the old age, the old Adam, the old world, and put you in a new world of which he is the head. And in that you find life, forgiveness of sin, come on, victory, salvation. And you're free from the wrath of God. Verse 18 tells us the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. So that when you talk about the wrath of God. And because we're justified or in right relationship with the Lord. And we went into detail explaining all of that this morning. So I'm not going to try to redo that tonight. You are delivered from his wrath. Do you understand that? That I am no longer in wrath because I'm not in the old world of Adam. If I were in the old world of Adam or, you know, walking in the old man, then I would be in the wrath of God. Experience the wrath of God. Right now, not something way down in the prophetic future. But right now is the wrath of God. Do you see that? That's what this verse says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Anybody who stands against God is automatically under his wrath. At any time. Because, I know you're piddling and you're cutting your fingernails and everything else. <laughs> because whenever you set yourself against God, you automatically set in your life a force of destruction. It's automatic. Because God's wrath is His set way against sin. And when God brings His righteousness... His justification to us. He doesn't just bring a way by which we can be redeemed and saved and justified and be in a right relationship with Him. He brings with His righteousness wrath. And the way He does that is because, again, it's His set way against sin. So if there's any sin, then His wrath is already set against it right now the bible talks about wrath to come but right now his wrath is set against sin so at any time if i set myself up against god and i move into sin or unrighteousness then i experience something that is destructive to me so I want to not only understand my standing in God, that He has made me, or not really so much made me righteous, but declared me righteous. Declared me to be in a right relationship with Him based on the work that He did because He took the wrath and He took the death and He took the judgment on the cross for me. And I need to understand that. But I also need to understand that when God comes in His righteousness, He always comes in His set way against sin, and that is His wrath. 
at any time in history and to any individual. His wrath is operating right now. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? So when I'm in right standing with the Lord and right relationship with the Lord, which he has declared me to be, then I'm no longer in that old age that has the wrath of God against it. I'm set free from that. You understanding? But because I am declared righteous, then I have a desire that the righteous one manifest his life in me. Do you understand? That he lives him, his life through me. Because I don't want evil. I don't want destruction. I don't want wrath. Yeah, okay. So having said that then tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the righteous man. Paul was a righteous man. Now, would to God every one of you were here this morning. And so you're handicapped in some measure. Okay? But the righteous man. Paul was a righteous man. He was a zadik in the Hebrew. He was a righteous man. And he struggled to get righteousness for a long time by his own good works. And his own good works was not good enough. And eventually he found trying to obtain salvation by the works of the law drove him away, further and further away from God. Instead of bringing him closer to God. He was going further and further away from God until he found righteousness in the gospel. Through Jesus Christ's work. And then, because he was born again, he was declared righteous in Jesus or in a right relationship with God. And from that position, he now lives a righteous life. Hallelujah. I want to share with you tonight something I feel is really important. I'm up against it. But I'm going to share it anyway. Let me explain to you tonight the Zadik or the righteous man. I have in my library, I have a, a volume by a man by the name of Monk, Jewish scholar on the Hebrew language. And to give you an understanding, let me read a few verses here. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, verse 1, called an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he has promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So this message, again, is not something that's brand new, but it's rooted in the Old Testament. Because you only have one Bible. We don't have two Bibles, an old Bible and a new Bible. You've got one Bible. And there's one plan and there's one purpose of God and it's justification through faith. It's always been that way and it always will be that way. It's rooted in the covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament. And the prophets saw it. So it's not some brand new thing. It's rooted in the prophets. And everything that Paul teaches, he says, it's in the Old Bible. I say Old Bible and we say Old Testament. <laughs> But it's rooted in the prophets. So you have to go to the Old Testament then to understand righteousness. Now Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. 
when you talk about the righteousness of God is revealed. Let's go there and look. You will understand that number one, that it is God who is righteous. He is the true righteous one. He is the true Sadiq. Do you understand? God 32 verse 4 it says. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. So he's without iniquity and he's a God of truth. And he is just. Same thing as righteous. He is just and he is and right is he. So it is God who is ultimately righteous. And it is ultimately God who is just. So that there is nothing in God of any injustice. There is no injustice in God. And there is his essence, who he is. He is so pure in his righteousness. There is no defect in his righteousness. His essence is so pure that it is, it is not in need of any perfecting. I said pure. He is so pure. There is no defect in his righteousness. So he, he does not need to be perfected in righteousness. Because he is righteousness. It's not just something he gives us or something he declares us to be. It is who he is. He is righteous. He is Zatik. He is the righteous one. He is the pure one. Right? But then he comes to man. He makes us righteous. But our righteousness that he gives to us is perfect in the fact that it's what saves us. But we grow into what we have already become. You understand? There is a perfecting or a completion of righteousness in our life. You understand that? <clears throat> so when you talk about the righteousness of God is revealed, number one, absolute purity, no defect at all in Him. And so, for me to be in right standing with God and to have fellowship with Him would mean that He would demand absolute purity in me without defect or any need of perfecting in my life. That's what he requires. And none of us have ever reached that level. So he had to come into this world without violating his law. Come on. And save us and declare us righteous. How is he going to do that? By exchange. Taking my sin and giving me his righteousness. Taking my sin on the cross 
and exchanging that with his righteousness so that the righteousness I have when it's God's righteousness it's perfect it puts me in a perfect standing with God it is a gift and a gift only that you cannot earn it is impossible for you to earn it it's a gift from God and it's the transforming power of God and it's the exchange of God do you understand that it brings you out from underneath wrath because you need to understand that God's wrath is not like man's anger man's anger is emotional get all emotional get all angry and it you know it's up here one day and it's down the next but that's not God's wrath God is not an emotional God he don't get mad one day and cool down the next when you talk about God's wrath and I'm talking about not the wrath to come but the wrath now it is his set determined way against sin period Praise the Lord. Give God some praise. So he gave me, or he declared me righteous. Now, it's beautiful. It's an awesome truth. When you talk about it, it's rooted in the Old Testament. So that there is even a Hebrew letter. And again, I have this textbook by Monk. He writes on all the Hebrew letters Every Hebrew letter, 22 Hebrew letters, five final forms of, the, of the, uh, five of them. And he explains to you in depth what every letter means. And there is a Hebrew letter in your Bible, in the alphabet of God, that is literally called Zadi. Zadi. It's linked to Zadik righteousness okay now a zadik or a righteous person i want you to see the way that jewish scholars when they studied the old testament what they believed about righteousness and a righteous man and then as we do that we're going to look at the book of romans and if you don't go to sleep on me in the meantime you will be impacted by what I'm about to share with you because I'm going to show you what Paul says in the first verse alone brings the Old Testament understanding of righteousness right in the first verse that's why I'm telling you this book is so awesome I'm not going to get further than the first verse tonight it is so tremendous and you're going to see it because it's laid out in the Old Testament. Amen. And as you see it laid out in the Old Testament, then it will mean more to you in the New Testament. Because an Old Testament Zadik, depicted by the letter right here, a Zadi. Can you see that letter? Looks something like this. Then it's got a yote on the, on the outside of it. Notice the position of the Zadi. Notice the position of the Zadik or the righteous man. According to that, that letter, he is on his knees. Look at the shape of the letter. He's on his knees. 
For those of you who can't see, here's the letter. Like this. And then it's got the yote on the outside of it. So the zari or the zarik or the righteous man is on his knees. In a position of humility. And the yote represents the presence of God who has come to rest upon him. The yoke, the hand of God, the presence of God has come to rest upon that Zadik as he is in a humble position, a bowed down position of prayer. This is one of the, also one of the letters who has a final form. When it's in this first form here like this with the yoke on it, it is always at the beginning of the word or in the middle of the word. But this letter also has a final form. And the letter is no, no longer seen bowing down in a prayer position. It is seen standing straight up with his hands raised. From this position here, from the position of being on the knees with the hands lifted up, looks just like a Y almost. This is Zadi right here. This is what the letter looks like right here. So the righteous man is seen kneeling in this form. Okay. But at the completion, this righteous man is seen standing with his hands lifted. At the completion. When it's completed, when it's fulfilled. That's the way he's seen. Do you understand? Praise God. Watch this. So in the Old Testament, then they understood righteousness. And they had a term. Messianic Jew by the name of Sam Peak took monks' writings and he went in there and he listed these as what the Jewish people would call a righteous man. And he is a Messianic Jew. Okay? So was Paul. <laughs> Let me let that seek in just a little bit. I know you came to shout, pull the walls down, but God told me to do this. At least I believe it's God. I know it's hard for you to believe. Number one characteristics of a righteous man is, now just live with me. That's, I, that's my personality. Number one characteristics of the Zadik, or the Zadi, is he has victory over, yet sir, Hara, or the old man, or the old Adam, or the flesh, or the old age, the old system. This person, if he's righteous, now look at this. This is the way the Jewish people interpreted righteousness in the Old Testament. And watch how Romans works this out. That this righteous man has victory over Yetzar, Yetzar Hara or the evil inclination or the flesh. If you're a righteous person tonight, if you're in right standing with God, then you have victory over Yetzar Hara. You have victory over the old Adam. You have victory over the old age. You have victory over the flesh if you're truly righteous. 
You've already been told that you were declared righteous. So if you're declared righteous and by the new birth, that means that you have victory over your flesh. You have victory over the old world that is in Adam. You have victory over, yes sir, hurrah. The evil inclination or the flesh. How many got the victory over the flesh tonight? How many got the victory over the evil inclination? How many got the victory over the old age, the old world, the old Adam? Do you have victory? If you don't, you're not in Romans. And if you're not in Romans, I don't know where you are. Number two, if you are a Zadik, you are moral, which means, again, righteousness, which means you have victory over sexual desire. Now, I'm not talking about your relationship with your wife. I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, outside of the word of the Lord. Victory over sexual desire. A righteous man or woman has victory over that in their life. They don't give in to that temptation. They don't come under that, that power. You understand? And for Jewish scholarship, they, just, they pick sexual desire. It could be any desire of the flesh. It can be overeating. All kinds, you know, for you it might not be sexual temptation. For you the temptation might be overeating or something like that. But you've got victory over your desires. With me here? Number three aspect of a righteous man is that they nourish other people. Like Joseph. Joseph was called a righteous man. He resisted the temptation of Potiphar's wife. And then he's found later on nourishing the world or feeding the world. And if you're a righteous man or a righteous woman, then you have victory over your evil inclination. You have victory over sexual desire. And as a result of that, you are a nourisher of people. God raised you up to feed the nations with his truth, with his word. You are to nourish them. Nourishment to others. Now watch. And this person connected with this letter Zadi here. Does God's will voluntarily. They do God's will voluntarily. Hello. Which means this, basically, that they're an ambassador of Christ, or they are one who is sent. They are sent out, and they do His will. You understand? They are ambassadors. The righteous. And then, number five, the presence of God is inside of Him. Now, this is what Jewish scholars said. They found this in the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament. 
they said that the righteous man has God inside of him or her. Sounds like New Testament, doesn't it? Sounds like church days, doesn't it? God inside of this person so that whenever this person comes, example, when this person comes into a room, if they're a Zodiac or a righteous person, they've got the presence of the Lord in them and you can sense it as soon as they walk in the door. You know that God is in them. And you can sense it as soon as they walk in the door. There are certain people that will cross your path. You know God is in them. All they got to do is walk into a room. And they completely change everything in the atmosphere. And everything that's going on in that room. Because they've got God inside of them. And it is something that is recognized by the people that are in that place. That person's got God in them. Can you go into a room? Carrying the presence of the Lord. And everybody in that room knows that God just walked in are you with me that is a character and we're talking about the characters the, the character of his righteousness we'll just title it that tonight the character of his righteousness how many of you want to be that righteous person that you walk in, and when you walk in, God walked in with you, and everybody knew that God walked in with you. Or when you walk in, do all they see is you and I? Do they just see Jerry Carter when he walks in, or do they say God walked in right there? Are you with me here? Ask yourself that. Can they discern that God is inside of you? That is a distinction of a righteous person. Something different about them. There's something different about the presence of that person. Number six aspect of a righteous man or a righteous woman. Teaches at all times... Even in their small actions. So that disciples of people called righteous men. Zadiks. Disciples of those men wanted to be around them all the time. Not just to hear what they said. But to watch their action in everyday life. What they did. How did they do it? What did they say? How did they respond? Every action. Even in the area of little things. The righteous man. Not in just his teaching. But in every little action that he did. He was teaching. 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 Come on. Get with me teaching is everything that we do I you do do we have that in mind that every not just what we say but everything we're doing we're teaching wouldn't it be wonderful 
to have that kind of relationship and that kind of walk with God that people that you're teaching Bible studies always wanted to be around you because they, they didn't want to just hear what you had to say but they wanted to see how you live it they wanted to see how you do it man they wanted to see the decisions that you make and how you cope with life and how you deal with life and what you do because they want to learn they want to learn that is an aspect of the righteous person the Zadik teaches all times even in small actions and number seven always does the will of God always does the will of God not some of the time not part of the time not half of the time but the righteous man the Zadik according to that letter right there does the will of God all the time which means this even if he's got to go to the point of death to fulfill I'm telling you the truth here if he's got to go to the point of death to fulfill the will of God and become a nothing he is willing to become a nothing in order to fulfill the will of God and that is a zati he would rather die than not do the will of God and if it meant death he's, to him to himself or herself she would be willing to do the will of God all the time that's heavy, isn't it? The spirit, number eight, the spirit dominates his body or his flesh or what? You with me here? Or his beast or her beast nature. The spirit dominates. The spirit is in dominion. For those of you who are with me this morning. The spirit's in control. The spirit's in dominion. It's not the body, you know. It's no longer body, soul, spirit for the believer. When you were outside of Christ, it was body, soul, spirit last. Whatever your body wanted, whatever your soul wanted, that's what you went after. And then your spirit, thirdly. But when you become a Christian, it's no longer body, soul, spirit. It is now spirit, soul, and body. And you can try. Come on. Oh, God. Help me. And there's a lot of people who want to try to hold, try to hold the truth in unrighteousness. They want to try to suppress it because they don't like it, but it's still the truth. You understand? It's spirit, soul, and body for us to now. So, the spirit dominates his body or his beast nature or her beast nature. Spirit dominates. Spirit's in control. Number nine, the Zadik are known as the light of the world. You know why the righteous are known as the light of the world? Because they manifest the Shekinah glory of God in the earth. That is our purpose. And we preached, I don't know how many messages on the fact that God wants to manifest himself in us. And what he does, he manifests himself in the righteous. His glory is seen on them. 
Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. He said, get up and shine. Because you're not a part of the darkness. You're not a part of that old age. Get up and shine. Get up and be who you are. Manifest his glory. You are the light. Literally. And Jesus said that. You are the light of the world. One place it says, the Bible says that he's the light of the world. God is the light of the world. But then he says, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say you reflect the light. He said you are the light. Where did all that come from? Out of the Bible. Problem is, we're not letting that shine. We're not letting that righteousness that has been declared upon us manifest itself. So we need to let that light, that glory manifest right the righteous one. I'm the light of the world because I'm manifesting him. I'm manifesting the true righteous one. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is righteous. He is just. So my purpose in this earth is that the righteous one be seen in my life. And if he's not seen in my life, my life is a waste. Because that is the purpose of the Zadi or the righteous man. And that's why we're teaching this book of Romans. So you can understand your standing. And then, okay, number 10. The Zadik or the righteous suffers for others. Suffers for others. Suffers under the sins of that generation. How does the righteous suffer? Many times they're persecuted. Many times they're put to death. But they suffer for the sins of that generation. They suffer when they call people to righteousness. When they stand up and declare his word to their generation. They suffer in the sins of that generation. Trying to get that generation to come to his righteousness. And to live in righteousness. It is an agony. It is a suffering that the righteous carry and in Jesus case he is the righteous one who literally suffered for me and died for me on the cross and took my sin he is the righteousness of God so listen you're going to notice at times you're going to suffer when you're trying to win souls Trying to tell them, why won't they listen? Why won't they get it? Why won't they walk in this? Why won't they move in this? Why won't they receive this? You're suffering under the sins of that generation. Come on. Noah suffered as a righteous man in his generation. Come on, are you with me here? The righteous are known, listen, as the foundation of the world. Which means, the Jewish mind, the world exists 
for their sake. The only reason why the world is allowed to continue as it does is because you're here. The only reason why it exists is for the righteous sake. Sure doesn't exist for the wicked. It sure doesn't exist for unrighteousness. Because God's wrath is set against that unrighteousness every day. So the only reason why it continues to exist is because the righteous are here. Come on, remember Abraham prayed, God, please don't destroy, don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. We know the story on and on and on as Abraham was interceding. God said, I won't destroy it if there's ten righteous there. Because the righteous hold back, in a sense, God's judgment from hitting this world. You understand these things? Number 12. Humility is the character of righteousness. It is the character of His righteousness. Humility. What is humility? Let me bring it up where you can see it. Humility in a righteous person thinks of self as a nothing. Not as a little bit, but a humble person thinks of themselves as nothing, zero. Come on. Humility thinks of self as a nothing. Remember that position of that letter that is Zadi? Bow down in humility with God's presence upon it as if God were riding it like a horse. The position of humility. Bow down. Think. Thinks of self as nothing. Or literally as a mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed is a person who thinks himself as nothing. Come on. Not boasting in themselves or their accomplishments or walking in their arrogance or in their pride. But they look at themselves as nothing. And because they look at themselves as nothing, then that in turn makes them something. You can ever walk and I can never walk in a place of righteousness where I think myself nothing. When I get to that place, that's when I have really become something. But not until I get to a place of humility and think myself nothing am I ever anything. It goes contrary to my pride, my ego, and my yetzar hara, my flesh. Because my flesh always wants to be seen. My flesh always wants to promote itself. My flesh, me, me, me. It's all about me. Not in the righteous man. Or the righteous woman. Their life 
in their own estimation of themselves is I'm nothing. But that's what makes them something. Do you understand that? In God, it almost seems just the opposite of what the world says. Who he that is greatest in the kingdom, let him be a servant. To be righteous, to be right, to have right direction in your life, to be in right standing with God. Yes, it is declared, but this is the way we walk it out. Do you understand that? What a privilege it is to walk it out. See, I can always check myself. Well, if I'm thinking about too much about me. Thinking too much about me. I'm thinking too much about myself. I'm thinking too much. Come on. That king or prince that Paul stood before. He said, you are beside yourself. Much learning doth make you mad. Because you're outside of yourself. You're no longer worried about yourself. But your whole passion is God and His kingdom. You're beside yourself. That is the character of a Zadik. They're outside of self. Now I want to tell you something. We, have, we are so self-conscious. And we're very little God-conscious. Even in the prayer room, even when we're worshiping God, we're thinking about ourselves. And I'm saying, Oh God, let me get my mind off of me and let me get my mind on you, God. When I come to church, I'm going to say, oh, I wonder what I'm going to get out of this tonight. It should be, what can I give? What can I bring? Because it's not about me. It's about God. What can I bring to the house? I'm nothing. But that humility makes you something. That humility makes you somebody. Those are the kind of people that God walks with. You know what His will for us? Love mercy and walk humbly with thy God. That's what He said in Malachi. Love mercy and walk humbly with thy God. Don't get this ego about you. Don't get this pride. Don't let that thing take over your, your spirit. The Bible says about a man by the name of Saul... Who Paul was named after in the Old Testament. Saul, God anointed him when he was little in his own eyes. But when he got big in his own eyes, he fell away from God. As long as you can stay little in your own eyes, or literally a nothing in your own eyes, that will make you something. The biggest problem in the churches, the biggest problem in the workplace, the biggest problem everywhere is every man for himself. 
You know, you better, you better watch it. You got to take care of it. Uh, you know, number one, you know, you got to watch it, you know. Then you got your mind on yourself. But the righteous man, I'm just letting the Holy Ghost speak tonight. Because some of us need this because we are going the wrong way. That's why we need the book of Romans so we can understand righteousness. True biblical righteousness. And sad to say, honestly and sadly to say, is that most of the time you don't have an example of this in the pulpit. You don't. Because primarily, spiritual pride reigns in the pulpit more than it does anywhere. But the righteous man walks as if he is nothing. Think more highly of others than you think of yourself. We should be mindful of him, not mindful of self. So if you find yourself thinking about self all the time, it will plunge you into depression and death and condemnation because you're no longer walking righteously. Do you understand? Do you understand? You know what? When somebody commits suicide, you know why they commit suicide? Because they want attention. And they'll go to the greatest extreme, even killing themselves to get a little bit of attention in a funeral service. So being focused on self is suicidal. It will kill you. Do you hear me tonight? So the church at times is submerged in guilt and submerged in condemnation. Why? Because our focus is self. Yeah, y'all don't run too fast around the church. But they are mustard seed people. That's the parable of the mustard seed. That's a person who's humble. A person who is almost invisible. As far as self is concerned. And we wonder. God why don't you use me? And we get on our knees and we cry. God use me. Why aren't the doors opening? Because we're full of self. We got an ego. We got a pride. God can't use that. Because he works in righteousness. And I'm sorry again to say, it's not manifest in the pulpit most of the time. You understand? Humility thinks of self as nothing as a mustard seed. Like the letter prostrate before God so that God's presence can rest upon them. This is what makes him something. You know, and I know y'all probably get tired of me talking about this man, but Gary Edmonds is the closest example of this man I know. He is so humble and so meek and so selfless 
that, that he has been misinterpreted and interpreted as a weak man. But I've walked with him and he's, he's, he's anything but weak. He is something in God because he has learned how to walk in humility. I mean, he's had preachers step on his hand when he was praying. Hated him. He's a man of God. Also, let me go on here. This righteous man, this Zadik, cleaves to God. Do I cleave to God? Do you cleave to God? What does that mean? Well, Habakkuk defines it for us. And then, and I'm talking about the Old Testament. I'm talking about, you know, the prophets. and Say it that way. Habakkuk is the first one who says it. In his faith he will live. Or the just shall live by faith. And Romans preaches what Habakkuk says. The just. He's going to cleave to God. He's going to live by faith. And there, it's not just talking about his own faith. It's talking about the faith of Messiah. The faith that Messiah had brought redemption. And faith in Messiah is brought what brings redemption. It's faith in the light of the Messiah. It's faith in the essence of God. It's that man who cleaves to God in faith. That's the righteous man. The word Zadik is linked to or connected to in language to a word that means to hunt or to trap. So the righteous person is a person who's always hunting and always seeking to trap. And this person is called a lower Zadik. A Zadik or a righteous person who lives in the earth realm is a person who's always on the hunt and always trapping souls. Lost souls is their focus. They are trappers. They are hunters. They are sadiqs. Trapping and hunting for the lost. Isn't that amazing? No wonder Paul is a righteous man. Went through what he went through and went where he went to. He was not a man involved in landscape. He was a man involved in manscape. He was after man. He was hunting. He was tripping. He was after souls because he was a Zadik man. Righteous man. A righteous man is a trapper. Righteous woman. Hunters. Yeah, man. Hallelujah. And then number 15. The righteous man reflects Israel. Listen. Reflects Israel in this sense. What Israel, the remnant, will become is seen in the righteous man. 
so that Jesus literally is the true Israel of God. And I'm going to say it. When you get in the true Israel of God, whether you be Jew or Gentile, because you get into the Israel of God, who is Jesus, then in a sense you are the remnant called Israel. I didn't say you replace them, but spiritually the prophets understood that true Israel is a remnant who is located in Messiah. So that when Paul preached Romans, he's basically telling you, Israel has come in. True Israel has come in. It's not natural, a natural seed, but it's a spiritual seed that has come in. And because Jesus is the true Israel, he literally reflects what corporate Israel will become. So that everything that happens to him will also happen to the nation of Israel. So when you walk in righteousness, as a righteous man, you are a reflection of what the remnant will ultimately become. And Paul was, his whole life, the whole life of the Apostle Paul was literally Israel's history lived out. Israel in unbelief and Israel in conversion. That's Paul's life. His whole life is a miniature Israel lived out in front of them. So what happened to Paul is going to happen to Israel. They will be converted. So that person reflects Israel. What That remnant will become corporately as the corporate man. The corporate body. We preached you the corporate body and corporate man before. Now 16. What is called the higher Zadik, the higher righteous person. The lower righteous uh, Zadik or the lower Zadik is the one who goes and traps and, and tries to win and seeks to hunt for souls. But the higher Zadik, what is known as the higher Zadik, Higher righteous person is a person who runs and returns to the Lord's side. Or this way, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and are saved. So the righteous person is seen running to the name or running to the tower or running to the side of the Lord to get brand new revelation. And with that brand new revelation, he comes forth or she comes forth and declares it to their generation. That is the purpose of a higher Zadik. A heavenly Zadik. I gotta get to the side of the Lord. I've gotta get revelation from God so I can declare it to this generation. Give God some praise. Come on. And their righteousness, if you're messianic, which Paul was, that righteousness is declared upon you 
through the work of Jesus Christ, what he did, the finished work of the cross. He declares you so. An exchange takes place, and now you can be this. You can walk this out because this is your purpose. And I'm going to prove it to you by the word of God now. Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, verse 1. Paul, say Paul. Paul. His name, Paulus, Latin. Saul was his Jewish name. Saul means desired one. Saul means somebody who was sought for. You remember they looked for Saul. He was hiding when he was little in his own eyes. He was hiding and they were trying to find him to make him king. His name means looked for, longed for, sought for. That's what Saul's or Paul's Hebrew name was. But now when he becomes an apostle to the Gentiles, I believe it's Acts chapter 13, that's the last time that Saul is ever called Saul, one sought for, looked for, and now he is known as Paul, a Roman name. And the word Paul means little. So even in his name, because now he is, he has received the declared right standing of God. He's in a right relationship with God. And because of that now, he calls himself little. And literally when Paul walked, he was a physical example of the letter of Zadi. Because they said they, that he walked sort of bound over, sort of hunched over, you know. And little in size, almost a dwarf. And a little squeaky voice when he preached. His bodily presence was weak, but he was powerful in the spirit. He was little in physical appearance, but he was powerful in God. So he went by the name of Paul and he said, I'm little. It's not about me. It's about the power of God that rests in me. So that in one scripture he says, I came not to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power and the Holy Ghost. So that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Come on, somebody, give God some praise. See, I, I believe the Lord was going to show up. You know why? Because it's His Word I'm preaching. Paul said, now, I'm the righteousness. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. My right standing is not through my effort and my good works. My right standing is based on the work of the cross. He made a decision to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Are you hearing it? So he called himself little. He was the greatest apostle who ever, I'm going to tell you, boy, I see it. The greatest apostle who ever walked the earth called himself little because he's a righteous man. Paul, a servant 
of Jesus Christ. I am no longer mastered by the old evil inclination. I have victory over Yetzar Harah. I am no longer mastered by the evil inclination. I am no longer mastered by the old man. I am no longer mastered by the passing, fading world under Adam. But I am now mastered by Jesus. I have victory over Yetzar Harah. And what's interesting is Yetzar, Hara, evil inclination. There's another word, Yotzer, Y-O-T-Z-E-R, which means creator. And he said, I've got the victory over Yetzer, Hara, my evil inclination. So now I can serve my Yotzer, my creator, in freedom. Because my yet sir, Haram, my evil inclination, my old Adam is dead. Now I can walk in freedom to my new master. My yet sir, my creator. It's no longer yet sir. Haram. It's yet sir, creator. He's my master. I walk in righteousness and have victory over the old master. Go to Job 3.19. And this is, an, is, this is a text in the Bible, Old Testament we call it. Job 3.19. Are you almost there? I, man, I'm telling you, I feel good now. I'm almost through. I'm not going to keep you all night. I'm almost done. 319, watch what it says in, in the book of Job. The small and great are there. And the servant is free from his master. So that Paul, the little one, in his own estimation, say he, say he is a servant now of a new master, Jesus Christ. There is a place where the servant is free from his master. And Jewish scholarship interprets that to be the flesh. There is a place in God that you and I can get that our master is no longer yet sir, hurrah, hurrah, but it's Yotzer, the creator, because we have died to that flesh. Yes, sir, hurrah, is died. My evil inclination is dead. My flesh is dead. The old Adam is dead. The old age is dead. So I'm free from that master. I now walk in freedom to do the will of Yotzar, Yotzer, the creator. 
It's when your yet sir and Ra is dead, then you are then free to do the will of your new master, the creator of the heavens and the earth. See? And so that's what Jesus did when he came. He killed Yetzir Harah. He killed the old Adam on the cross. He killed the flesh on the old cross. And now God says, now because you are righteous and right standing with him, don't live in the old age. The old Adam. The evil inclination. And so Paul is really telling you, basically, he's a righteous man. He's no longer under the control of Yetzir Hara, he is now a servant of a new master, Jesus Christ. And he says, watch this. I know this, some of y'all, you know, this is not worth listening to you, you know, in your estimation. But hallelujah. He that is ignorant, let them be ignorant still. If you want to stay ignorant, stay ignorant. Notice this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called. I answered the call to serve my new master. I'm called. Are you hearing this? Yes, and my calling is so that now I will serve the new master and not the old master. Amen. Yes. And I told you this morning that Romans 5 is the peak of all the book of Romans. And it talks about both men and both world. And Paul is saying, I'm not following the old world, the old man. But I'm under his dominion. Jesus' dominion. So I answered the call. I voluntarily surrendered my will. I subjugated my will to his will. And said not my will. But his will be done. And Paul always did the will of God. For the most part. Sometime he got over in the flesh. God allowed that to show you that not all his men are completely perfect. There are some imperfections in his men. He had a big disagreement with Barnabas over John Mark. Thank God for that. Thank God he can still use men who have imperfections in their life. That means a lot to me because you know what? My goal and purpose in life is to be used by Him. How about you? So His calling. Notice, called an apostle. Now I want you to see something here that's very important. Because everybody wants to label Paul as rabbi. Rabbi Paul. He never called himself rabbi. Never. He called himself an apostle. Jewish leaders called themselves rabbis. But righteous men in Jesus 
called themselves apostles. Which means to be sent forth. So now we've got here to be sent forth an apostle. He does God's will voluntarily as a sent one. He said, I'm a sent one. I'm an apostle. Are you hearing me today? I, I, I'm just going to call Paul what Paul called himself. I'm not going to put labels on him so I can try to make him fit in my camp. Nor am I going to try to take Paul and make him something other than what he was. He was a Messianic Jewish believer. And found everything he believed and everything he taught. He found it in the prophets of the old. When some brand new thing he came up with. He said, I'm a sent one. Well, that's, that's righteousness terminology. To be a sent one. To be an ambassador. Somebody who does the will of God. There are a lot of people today call themselves apostles. God didn't call them an apostle. They call themselves apostles. You know, living a day where titles are so important to people. What are you? I'm this. It's okay if you really are. Say you are. You better be sure you really are. Start racking around and call yourself an apostle or a prophet. You better make sure you're an apostle or a prophet. God will, God will make a liar out of you. He'll make a fool out of you. Rather be made a fool in the presence of men than be made a fool by God. Don't walk around and say, I got a call on my life. If you don't have a call on your life, because God will make an idiot out of you. You better make sure you got a call on your life if you've got a call on your life because you don't want God making an idiot out of you. It's all right. Why don't you just humble yourself and say, I don't know. I just thought, that's just my ego. That's my flesh. You know, I was saying I was called, but I don't really think I'm called. But I'm, I'm afraid to humble myself in the presence of men, you know. That's all right. If you don't have a call, God will humble you. <laughs> you you're not going to make a liar out of God. You're not going to say God called you to be this and be that. If he didn't call you, you're not going to make God out of liar. He'll make an idiot out of you. <laughs> you understand? Lord, let me be gracious and kind. It's the truth, man. I'm talking about myself. God hasn't really called me. He'll make an idiot out of me. I'm the biggest fool you've ever seen. God hadn't called me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm prophet. I'm apostle. I'm apostle. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Bless your little heart. I pray and hope to God you are. I'm a teacher. Pray and hope to God you really are. If you're not, he pulls the rug out from underneath you. 
Ground's hard, man. But this man, Paul, was a true righteous man. He was a true Zadik. He was truly called by God. And he was an apostle. He was sent by God. To represent God. Do you understand? To represent God. To literally stand in the place for God. Question. Is the sender greater than the sent? Or is the sent greater than the sender? Of course, the sent is less than the sender. God is greater. He's the sender. He's greater than the one he sends. But when God sends that man, that apostle, he is literally one in the purpose of God. Is the, is the, the bearer the one who carries? Greatest? Or is the one that is carried the greatest? Paul was a man and he understood that. And he understood that God sent him. He knew that God was behind him. Do you understand? Give the Lord praise. And it was the will of God that he went forth declaring not his own will, not his own purpose, not his own mind, not his own kingdom. God. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible says he's called an apostle. One sent. Separated. Say separated. Unto the gospel of God. So he is a set apart man. A righteous man. A holy man. To be separated means you're holy. He used to be a part of an organization called the separated ones. Or the Pharisees. But now he's a part of the true separated assembly. Separated by God. Set apart by God. So that the righteousness that I receive is setting me apart unto righteousness and apart from evil. It is a call to holiness. It is a call to separation. It is saying no to evil and yes to righteousness. That's what, listen, that's what the declared righteous of Christ have done for me and you. It set me apart from evil. It has set me apart from unrighteousness. Okay. See, now why is it this morning, y'all all happy? Oh, thank you, Jesus. God. Now I preach the same, out of the same book of Romans, the same Bible. You get all quiet. Come on, 
See, we need to understand righteousness. When God comes and reveals His righteousness, we need to understand what He's done for us, number one. That He died for me, and He killed me. Yet, sir, hurrah. And my right standing is based on what Jesus has done. And now because of that, I have a new master. And I seek to walk in righteousness to manifest the righteous one. Not because I'm now working for my salvation, but from a position of rest and a position of salvation. And now I have a new master. I'm free to serve my new one. I've answered his call voluntarily. I've now been separated to what? Righteousness. And separated from unrighteousness. As a true zadi. This might not mean anything to you, but it does to me. Holiness. Y'all love the word of the Lord? Separated unto the good news of God, the gospel of God. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in his holy scriptures. So now, because I'm in right standing with God, and I'm, you know, and slowly I'm starting to understand my standing. And it is so freeing. It is so liberating. Paul literally walked this out in the true sense of the word. He really and truly was the letter Zadi because he manifests the one who is the true righteous one, Jesus. He had, he, listen. He became a Gamur Zadik, a complete righteous man. And the book of Romans is given to you to help you understand how. And after you become that, what difference it makes. How it changed your behavior. How it affects your relationships with people. And how you please God in the earth. That's the whole book of Romans. So when those old scholars, and I call them scholars, sages sit down in their Old Testament scripture. And they study like Paul did. That old, te- that old I'm trying to get away from that term. Understand? They study. Where they miss it is this. They're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the righteous one. But they have missed it in this sense. He's already come. And the righteousness that they discovered in that book. And longed for. Which is right standing or right relationship with God. What they long for, they have missed it because it's Jesus. It's Jesus. 
And they had so much understanding and so much truth because they found it right in the Bible. The one Bible, not two, the one Bible, one plan and one purpose. Let's stand. Father, I thank you tonight for the opportunity to bring this word. I give you praise, I give you glory, and I give you honor. I ask you, mighty God, to take your word tonight, put it in the hearts of everybody present. I love you tonight. I praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for the truth. Until we get this, until we understand our standing, we'll walk in a life of defeat and death and condemnation, walk in the ministration of death. Because we don't understand our standing. And then what the difference is because of it. I'm thankful tonight. How about you? Are you more thankful for that than you are for a hundred dollar bill? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? I, oh, yeah. If I pulled out, I don't even know if I got a hundred dollar bill in here. I'm a blessed man. <laughs> I got a 50. I'm going to keep it, though. But if I pulled out a 50, I'd say the first one up here can have it. I mean, you'd burn the carpet up trying to get to it. You'd peel the concrete up, man. We'd have to re-concrete. <laughs> and then we preach on right standing in God. And you look at me like, hey, you're yawning. Yeah, <laughs> yawning. Lord, you don't know how, how stirred up I get when I see that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I love him, don't you? I'm thankful for the book of Romans. I thank God for righteousness, and I'm declared that way. That's what it's all about. Walking in life and freedom and no guilt, no condemnation. Life and love and light. Eternal life now. Don't even have to wait for it. It's, it's, it's a dimension in God. It's, it is God. Don't wait for you. You got it right, right now. I, one last thing I got to throw out there for you, okay? Because I love you. You're so one. You're so awesome. I love you. I got to just give you one more little peanut. 
No, Lord. They're not, they're sheep. Hallelujah. They don't eat peanuts. The sheep, sheep don't eat peanuts. But one last thing I understand. There, there are Jewish men who study that, that Bible right there. Who don't even have an understanding of Jesus. But have seen more than you've ever seen. And they looked at the life of David. And they said, David, all the battles he fought. In the Psalms, all those battles and all those enemies that constantly was coming against him was one level of his battle. But all the enemies that David fought in the physical was simply a type of his real battle against Yetzer Hara, the flesh. And he is picked out as a man who got the victory over his flesh. So that every psalm you read about all the enemies that he fought and the betrayals and the disappointments and things that came against him are literally really true physical enemies. But they depict a greater battle that was in David and inside of you. And that's called self. And when you ever get the victory over, yet sir, hurrah, self. Then you're free to live for the Lord. That's the message. Hallelujah. Good night. Go home. If you didn't get it, if you didn't get it here, if you're not full of victory here, you're not, you know, you didn't get fed here and you're not full here. You know what? I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna go out and sit in front of a television. Are you going to go somewhere and try to do something to try to find yourself a little satisfaction, a little contentment? But if you didn't get it here, you're not going to find it out there tonight. And I dare to say this, some of you are going to go have a relationship with your wife and you think that's really going to be it tonight. But I'm going to tell you something, if you didn't get it here tonight, that's not going to satisfy you. Because you're looking in all the wrong places for love. She'll never satisfy you and he'll never satisfy you. Only God can satisfy you. And if you're trying to find it outside externally, you're never going to find it. So if you don't got it, I would encourage you to get it before you go. You know why? Because I got it. I got it. You're looking at a satisfied man right now. I am satisfied. Because I'm starting to understand my standing. David finally got the victory over his flesh. Do you understand? His flesh took him everywhere, trying to find satisfaction in everything. He got the victory. I don't have the total victory, but I want it. But I'm starting to understand. Thank God. And you know that will make a difference in your home. It will make a difference between your relationship, your family, the way you treat your children, 
the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your husband. Because if you're free and you're walking in grace, then you can extend grace to them. If you understand God properly, then it, come on. If you look at God as some evil tyrant and a law, a taskmaster, then that's the way you're going to treat everybody else. Is as a taskmaster and a heart. You come on. Laying down the law. If you start seeing God in His grace, His declared righteousness, then you can be that to somebody else because you understand. Right? If you think God wants to kill you, then you're going to want to kill everybody you come in contact with. Because <laughs> that's just the way you see life. That's the way you see it. God's not wanting to kill me, so I'm going to kill everything. <laughs> Is this too heavy for some of you? Too much truth? Is it there too much truth here? But if I see life and love and light and righteousness and justification, I'm right with God. God loves me. Then it's easy for me to be that to other people. Come on. You believe it? Now listen. I've done my best. But if you have any questions, don't come ask me. Okay? Go to Sister Patrick Flores. Sister Carol Flores. And she is so full of knowledge. You know, you could stump me. But you can never stump her. <laughs> so if you don't know, don't ask me. Because you'll stump me. Ask her. <laughs> She's been looking at me all day with this strange look. Everybody, sister, I need you to lift your hand. Because there may be somebody that don't know who you are. This omniscient woman we have in the house, you know. Okay. All right. Love you. We'll see you Wednesday, okay? Lord bless your life. Have a good one in Jesus' name.